Uh, right, so we're in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to read from verse 1. Actually, our focus is going to be on verse 1, but I'll read the first uh, seven verses in this new chapter in 1 Timothy. It says this, Here is a trustworthy saying, If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. So uh, if you haven't been with us uh, much before, um, sometimes on a Sunday we've been looking at this letter, uh, 1 Timothy. Um, We completed chapter 2 before Christmas and this is the first one into chapter uh, chapter 3. And Paul is writing to his friend Timothy and Timothy is uh, at that point in a very big church in Ephesus, but it's a, it's a damaged church. Uh, they've had some trouble. Uh, and most of that trouble stems from their leaders. They've had some problem leaders. And so in chapter 1 we saw that uh, Paul had already had to put out of the church uh, two leaders. One was called uh, Hymenaeus and one was called Alexander. Because really the way in which they'd been leading was taking people away from Jesus, taking people away from the gospel, Um, into lots of confusion and controversy. And so here, in chapter 3, the focus comes more onto onto leadership. But no, it interests me that Paul doesn't start there. In chapter 1, Paul starts with the gospel, right at the heart of chapter 1, the glorious gospel of the blessed God. That's where the focus comes in chapter 1. The focus of chapter 2 is the church, a community of people that's praying for the whole world and wanting them uh, to know the good news that's in Jesus. And now, it's only now in chapter 3 that I suppose he comes on to the issue of leadership. We're now ready to move on to consider uh, leadership in the church, um, uh, overseers, and deacons. That's what we're going to look at in the next little while. Today we're just going to look at overseers, um, or in other words, uh, elders. You see the two words often in the Bible are used interchangeably. Just to give you a couple of references, in Acts chapter 20, uh, this is an earlier occasion when Paul wanted to meet with the leaders of this church called in, in Ephesus. And so in, chapter, in Acts chapter 20, verse 17... We find out that from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. But notice that when he actually speaks to these elders, these who are leading the church in Ephesus, he says in verse 28, a little bit down the page, Keep watch over yourselves, speaking to the elders, and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Why are they being called different things? Well, Elders was the phrase that's often used more of a term that was used more um, in churches with more of a Jewish background. That's a term that they were more familiar with for the, the leaders of, uh, of the group, of the church. In, in churches with a bit more of a, a Gentile, uh, Greek background, they weren't so familiar with that term, so they used the term overseers, and so we see them uh, used 
uh, interchangeably. And another place is 1 Timothy, no, 1 Peter, uh, chapter 5. And if Hannah's quicker than me, I might just turn behind me and look on the screen. 1 Peter 5, verse... Uh, sorry, I didn't even give you a reference, did I? <laughs> I win. Uh, <laughs> it's 1 Peter 5, verse 1. <laughs> to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and the one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers. So speaking to the elders, but calling them overseers. So they, I'm probably going to use the word elder more than overseer, because that's the one that we tend to use a bit more. Um, and today's focus is, drum roll please, what do elders actually do? <laughs> uh, so, you might think, what happens the rest of the week? Um, what, we see what you do on a Sunday and sometimes on a Friday night if you come to a prayer meeting, but what, what do elders actually do? Well, actually, I'm, I'm not going to reveal that mystery entirely. <laughs> I'd like to keep a few things just discreet. Um, but seriously, I suppose what an elder does day to day will, will look different according to the size of the church. If there's a group a group of elders leading a small new church plant of 50 people, it's only just begun, what they actually do day to day will look a bit different from the group of elders who are leading a church of thousands that's been going for decades and is like across lots of different sites. Day to day, they're doing quite different things. Sometimes I meet up with other guys who lead churches and they tell me what they're doing and they, I think, wow, you have started a church from scratch. I would not have a Scooby. Uh, I'll pray for you. Um, uh, just because day to day it will involve different things. It looks different. Um, nevertheless, we can see from the Bible, not just what all the different tasks are of leading, but it's described here as a, a noble task. He who, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. What is the task, regardless of the size of the church or the age of the church. And actually, uh, according to all different giftings, you know, some leaders may have more an evangelistic, outward-looking uh, uh, gift and temperament, others more pastoral, some more prophetic. Across the board, though, throughout history and across the planet, what are leaders of churches doing? What's the God-given task? That's, uh, that's a good thing to aspire to. In those passages I just read, so Acts chapter 20 and 1 Peter 5, you don't have to turn back there just now, but it was speaking to the elders, the overseers, the instruction is be shepherds. And so it's just another, another phrase which describes uh, what elders, overseers are to do. They are to be shepherds. Amen, hallelujah, let's worship. But what, what, does, that, what does that mean? What do, what do shepherds do? What do we learn about leading from considering what a shepherd does? What does it mean to shepherd a church, uh, therefore? Well, shepherds guide. Shepherds guide the sheep. Shepherds lead. 
and uh, at the point in which Paul is writing, at the point when Jesus is ministering on the earth, and back through the Old Testament as well, shepherds didn't have quad bikes or uh, fields and hedgerows and tractors and sheepdogs. Um, so what it meant to lead was they were on a journey. They were leading. It's not static and boring. We're just looking to maintain the sheep, keep them hedged in this perimeter. Um, they can go a little bit over there and they can go a little bit there, but basically they live their life in that field. Actually, what the shepherd was doing was leading the sheep across the countryside, knowing that at different seasons, different times, there are different places they should be. The pasture over there is fantastic. The water over there will be refreshing. So the, uh, the shepherds were leading. And you see actually lots of characters in the Bible had the experience of being a shepherd. And they realize actually what I've been doing to the sheep is a lot like what God has been doing for me. So in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, there was a man called Jacob. He had a really interesting life. It had lots of highs. It had a fair few lows. And he was a shepherd. And at the end of his life, he can look back on all of it at the end of Genesis and say, God, he's the shepherd. He's the one who's been leading me. You think Jacob you know, was, was born into a family, didn't get on that well with his brother. Few difficulties there. Leaves home, moves far away to work for his uncle Laban in the hope that he's going to be able to marry his sweetheart, Rachel. And then the morning after he's got married, he wakes up next to her sister. Has to work another seven years to be married to Rachel. Two wives. Interesting. What a surprise when he woke up that morning. That's an interesting life. He has 12 sons. They don't get on that well. Or at least they don't get on well with one of them. His name is Joseph. He's a bit brash. He's a bit arrogant. God has spoken to him and given him lots of dreams. But he's a bit of a bolshy so-and-so. So what do they do? They plot to kill him. At the last minute, they think, nah, no, we won't kill him, actually. We'll, send him into sl we'll sell him as a slave. He ends up in Egypt. They go back to Dad. They go back to Jacob and say, I'm so sorry, Dad. You know, he got eaten by a goat or something. Um, we're obviously devastated, too. So For years, Jacob's thinking his, his son has died. Then later on, in famine goes to Egypt and discovers that he's alive. And he spends his last days in Egypt. And at the end of his life, through all of those twists and turns, he says, God's been my shepherd. God has been leading me. We get the same with David. He knows what it is to shepherds, shepherd sheep. <laughs> and he realizes actually how God has been dealing with me is quite similar. And so he writes a song about it. In uh, Psalm 23, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And on he goes. 
David knows what it is to shepherd sheep, knows what it is to lead sheep and guide them. There's pasture here. Lie down. Enjoy. Be refreshed. Right, it's time to move. We're going. I don't want to go up this valley of the shadow of death. Who wants to go there? I know, but follow me. Trust me, because we're going to a table. I've prepared a table in the presence of enemies. I know where to take the sheep. That's what God says. That's what God is like. David knows it. So shepherds lead. Shepherds guide. And Jesus himself uh, wasn't saying something really strange about shepherding when he spoke to his uh, followers in John chapter 10 and verse 3. John 10 verse 3. The watchman opens the gate for him, the shepherd, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Notice again the absence of quad bikes and sheepdog. It's a shepherd leading with his voice, knowing the sheep by name and leading the way, going ahead of them. And that's uh, what our God is like. That's what Jesus is like. He's not, um, he's not driving the sheep from behind, snapping at their heels, threatening or demanding or controlling or scaring. He's speaking and he's leading. And so yeah, there's a time in John chapter 6 where Jesus brings some teaching which is hard for people to hear. And his closest disciples say, people are leaving, people are going, people are, people are left you now, Jesus. They can't handle this teaching. And what does Jesus say? Oh, no, quick, round up, let's get the whistle. Just try and round them up again. He says, no. Do you want to go as well? No. You've got the words of eternal life. We're following you. He's not, he's not snapping at people's heels, saying, just trying to maintain things. He's leading the way, and his sheep listen and follow. You've got the words of eternal life. So guiding with his voice, because he... Jesus is the shepherd, going ahead, finding pasture, leading the way. And so for shepherds, for overseers, for, for elders, there is a responsibility to guide and to lead. But it's subtly different. Jesus is the good shepherd who's laid down his life for us. In 1 Peter 5, uh, Peter refers to God as, the, uh, as Jesus as the chief shepherd who's going to appear, who's going to come back one day. Jesus is not one of the sheep. Jesus is the shepherd. And he always knows the way to go. Jesus never goes astray. Jesus knows precisely the right pace, the right direction, and the right destination. He's a shepherd to be completely trusted. Jesus, therefore, can, says to all of us, listen to me, follow me, listen to my words. And so when we gather like this, it's to listen to him. And did you hear Roger read out from the scripture what Jesus said to the, the woman of Samaria at the well? If you drink it from this well, you'll get thirsty again. I've got the living water. Come to me. 
Now, shepherd leaders of the church are saying, listen to Jesus. Follow Jesus. Hear his word. His voice sometimes still and quiet. But are you tuning into it? Are you hearing the scripture? Are you hearing these other encouragements that Jesus is bringing to us to lead us, to guide us? Elders lead people by pointing them to Jesus. And so for, for us here in this church, we've gone ahead a little bit. Um, I'm going ahead into 1 Timothy and saying, come on guys, we'll find nourishment here, we'll find blessing, we'll get our bearings, we'll follow God on the journey that he's got for us. Richard in Hebrews, together there'll be other things that happen through the course of the year, some of you having the opportunity to go on the marriage course in a couple of weeks. It will do you good, it will do us good, those kind of things, leading but ultimately pointing uh, to Jesus and saying to all of us, let's listen to his voice, let's tune in to his voice. Word. What are, you, what are you drinking from at the moment? There's so many words, ideas, sources, offering, something. You won't find anything like Jesus' words. You won't find words of eternal life anywhere else. You won't find miraculous springs of living water anywhere else other than in Jesus and his Words. It's not a case of leaders of the church saying, come on everybody, listen to me, listen to us. Do what we say. It's no, listen to Jesus. Follow him. I'm not going to tell you what bits of the Bible you should be reading or how, many, how much you should be aiming to read. I'm just going to say, no, listen to his voice. Follow him. So shepherds guide, shepherds also govern. Shepherds govern the sheep uh, in 1 Timothy uh, 5 and verse uh, 17, we're told that uh, elders direct the affairs of the church. And in Romans 12 and verse 8, when talking about the gift of leadership, Paul says, if, if your gift is leadership, then govern diligently. Do it well. Governing means choosing a direction. Go governing means bringing uh, decision-making. Sheep by themselves, without a shepherd, we can think, well, we can go anywhere. If there's no hedges and no fences, no hedgerows, the world's, we could go in any, any direction. There are loads of things we could do. And sometimes church life is like that. There's, there's loads of things we could do. Uh, there's loads of potential projects or programs or events because there's maybe an almost infinite number of real issues and needs and people groups in the world, which way should we go? Well, elders need to bring governance, to bring some direction that we don't just all head off separately into a hundred different directions. I think the enemy would love that and I don't think it would be effective. We're called to be a community together doing a few things. And uh, that doesn't mean that governing means elders decide absolutely everything and then just inform the church, this is what we're doing, so get with the program people. Actually, looking back over how the Lord has led us as a church, I think it was about six years ago, it wasn't that as an eldership we decided 
we should run a food bank. There are other churches doing food banks. And um, we need to get with the trend. So come on to this church, we must do it. No, it wasn't determined like that. There was more just a sense that among us, as a flock, there, there was this rise of faith and a, and a buzz and a stir. Loads of people were talking about the possibility of doing a food bank and blessing the city that we live in that way. So governing at that point just meant gathering people, saying, look, if you're interested, let's get together, let's talk about it together, let's look, about, look at what's involved, let's look at uh, uh, perhaps different people's part to play and how much capacity different people might have. And then together as a church, this realizing, yeah, I think it's time for us to go for it. We're going to go for it. And as elders, we governed by saying to Chris Marriott, who's in part of the North Congregation, why don't you lead it? We're going to, well, we'll, we'll employ you to, to help us as a church into this, and into a way of blessing uh, the city. It, ha- it, it happened in that way. Sometimes governing can mean uh, making changes, Sheep on a journey, there's a sense of moving on. Sometimes we just love to stay with things as they are. Well, there's quiet waters. There's green pasture here. There's no apparent threat or danger. Who wouldn't want to just stick and stay put? But the shepherd is saying, we've got to go up this valley. Why? Well, there's something else up there. Look, the, the point of being a church is not just to get as comfortable as we possibly can or to maintain things just as they are. There's a sense of journey, there's a sense of direction, there's a sense of being involved in new things, and sometimes there's occasions to say, we're going to put something down now. It's not because it was wrong, it served us really well. We thank God for that sort of phase or era of church of life, but can you see that God's moving us on? There's something new, there's something different, and there'll be changes. I'm not saying that because I'm anticipating making massive announcements, just that's the nature of, of shepherding. That's the nature of, of being on a journey. And, and therefore thinking, well, where is God going to lead us next? We don't know very much. He tends just to tell us what we need to know when we need to know it. Um, but looking forward to, in a few weeks on a Friday evening, when we have our commitment evening, 26th of January, something like that, um, or at the outset of the year where we get together and say, this is who we are together. This is where this, we're going to give thanks for all this stuff that's been happening. And we don't know everything, but this is the way that we feel God is leading us. Let's, let's go with this. Let's go together um, into the rest of the year. And then looking ahead as well to um, our weekend away, our 6th to the 8th of April. We've done it a few times every two years. And so it's come around again. We are not going to meet here that weekend. We're just going to go have fun um, uh, at a conference center. And everyone can book in because it, nobody has to pay. Um, we'll work out how we deal with it later. Let's just go because we know God's blessed us when we've done that and he'll lead us on. What, what does he want to grab our attention with this time? Well, we're going to discover. So come and discover. Well, I've not been part of the church very long. doesn't matter. Neither have I. Well, actually, time does travel, doesn't it? <laughs> um, doesn't feel that long. Um, but we're a people, so... We want to head together into what he's got for us and looking ahead further into the year, thinking, yeah, together, we're going to go to Devoted. We're going to go camp for the glory of God. The August bank holiday. Why are we doing that? There's loads of things we could be involved in. But I feel God's spoken to us about tucking in and being part of Christ Central and, and seeing how we can contribute and seeing that what, we, what we receive as part of that, being part of a movement that wants to plant churches. I think God's passionate about church 
getting started places. So let's go with it. Let's hear vision that's not just our own. It's good for a church to be exposed for, to more than just its own ways, its own borders, its own vision and thinking and so on. We'll, re- we'll receive and we'll give and we'll bless and we'll see what God does there. So, uh, so let's get involved there too. All of part of uh, shepherds governing, bringing direction. It's not being negative about other things that we could do. It's just being clear and passionate about what we feel God has said. Do a food bank. Be part of Christ Central. There'll be other things from time to time. There'll be occasions to say there's something new. There's even occasions to say sometimes we've done that and we can move on. Maybe we'll do it again, but it's not for right now. None of that is negative. It's all part of being on a journey. So shepherds guide, shepherds govern, and shepherds guard. Shepherds guard the sheep. They guard, they protect the flock. Sheep aren't the most intelligent. Sometimes, all by ourselves, we, we kind of wander off. We get distracted. We find ourselves isolated. We've, we've drifted away from the flock and we've got into bother. Sometimes a shepherd just needs to come to the sheep and say, come on, back you come. It's not like coercive. It's just, I don't know that's the most helpful place to be. Don't get isolated. Be part of the flock. Be part of the whole uh, community, as it were. Uh, But also, sheep need protecting from predators. Uh, In that sense, sheep are vulnerable uh, to wolves and other animals that are looking to get them. And occasionally those wolves are people, are individuals. doesn't happen much. Uh, this year, I will have been an elder, this is, which is what freaked me out when January the 1st came along. I kind of thought, this year I've been an elder of the church for 10 years. Ooh, I can talk about a decade. Oh, no. <laughs> Try and relate to students. I was you, like what you was. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Moving on. In 10 years, the eldership has said to somebody, you're not welcome here. Two times. That's happened twice in 10 years. More recently, one time it happened this year, just, there was a guy who was starting to come along, um, really talked the talk, but basically was chatting up women all the time, trying to get them and, and just meet with them, trying to arrange times to meet. So we just clocked that, you'd be glad to know, and just told him in no uncertain times, that doesn't happen here. We are the shepherds. You better behave like a sheep, not a wolf. And so we stood back, watched, and this was like over a few weeks, so he's still at it. So that's when we stepped in to say, you're not welcome here. We cannot, we've got to protect sheep. It's, but look, it was, that was... That's happened two times in 10 years. It's not like that's what's happening all the time. We're not just like suspicious of everybody looking around the room thinking, who's the most problematic here where we can really throw our weight around? No, it's not like that at all. And guarding and protecting the sheep is not just once in a blue moon. It's actually happening all the time because we have another predator The devil prowling around looking for somebody to devour. 
But what he's doing is he is using words and ideas to persuade us sheep off track. Now, he might come and do that by bringing massive doubts about the existence of God and the truth of the gospel. He might do it that way. But I think within a community of people who are following Jesus already, it's likely to be much more subtle and way more frequent. And I think it goes like this. Here's the gospel, but there's just something extra that you need to introduce. Here's the way, but I'm gonna, something else needs to be added in. Faith in Jesus isn't enough, really, to know God. You, there's this other thing you need to do. And you see this in, in the New Testament numerous places. You see it in the, in the letter to Colossians. I think in that church, there's just extra things. It's Jesus plus. Jesus plus special rules. Here's what you've got to eat. Here's what you can't eat. Here's what you wear. Here's what you don't wear. To be a follower of Jesus, it, it becomes very much all about the special, special and strange rules. Or it can be special and strange religious activity. Here's the special date. Here's the special way of behaving in that particular moment. It's all about kind of just what's happening on the outside. You dress in a certain way. You behave in a certain way. You do certain bizarre things. It's, it's Jesus plus religion. Or it's Jesus plus rules. Or it's Jesus plus special experiences. To really be a Christian, you've got to be one of those people who shake when you get prayed for. And if you haven't done, if that hasn't happened, you're not really in. Did you know that? I'm not, this is, don't listen to me too hard at this point. Um, that can be the way that we think if we have heard that we've got to add something to the message of Jesus. Oh, well, I'm not a special Christian because I haven't fallen over when I've been prayed for. Or I haven't experienced what that person has experienced. They've told me about having a dream where God spoke to them. That's, not, that's never happened to me. All right, so it's Jesus plus dreams. It's Jesus plus something else. It's Jesus plus. It's rubbish. It's just Jesus. It's just his word. It's just the gospel. And it's just believing. And then we're all in. And we're all together. And that's what elders are and need to look out for. And sometimes it's possible to see there are Christians who've become joyless. You know, oh, what's going on here? Maybe there's other things, Christians who aren't forgiving others or Christians who, you know. But Christians who are just getting off track. Why? Because all this extra rubbish, not extra rubbish, all this rubbish has been, um, has been added in. And then it's possible to find that Christians have just got busy and joyless and guilt-ridden. Why? Something's, got, something's gone wrong there, hasn't it? Something's got a bit off track. And I wonder sometimes if that can happen. We think, I've got to serve. I'm, I'm, there's so much that needs to happen. I'll do this. I'll serve here. I'll go there. I don't really have time to pray. I'd read the Bible more, but sometimes I just feel bad about myself when I do. Do you have that experience? It can happen to any of us. Let's say you're kind of reading through the Bible um, and on any particular day, it comes around to Philippians 4, and you read, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And our first response is, I'm rubbish at rejoicing. I don't feel very joyful. Uh, so, uh, 
I suppose I ought to try harder to rejoice. And it goes on a few other verses and says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything? Oh, I'm such a worrier. There's so many things going on right now. I don't know how to cope. I'm so sorry, God, that I'm a worrier. You've just got something else to worry about. Um, <laughs> and what we can do is we're just tuning in to the instructions and then thinking, I'm rubbish. Don't. It's true. It is in the Bible, but just kind of read a bit more or read more carefully. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Right. That's where I'm going to start. Thank you, God. However I feel this morning, whatever is going on in life, you are near. You're never, whatever other people do, you're never going to leave and forsake me. You're never going to run away from me. You're a shepherd who's never going to desert the sheep. That's what the hired hand does. The shepherd, you're always, you're, you're near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Ah, thank you, God, that you give peace. Thank you, God, that when even it doesn't even appear to make sense, you can provide peace. So I'm coming to you, Lord God. I'm going to thank you. And now, I think, I am responding with some rejoicing. It wasn't like some big heavy stick to whack me. That's not what the shepherd does. Bang. Well, maybe the rod and staff does comfort, but I think it's guidance. Not snapping at our heels. Not just trying to make us feel bad. No, listen. Listen to his voice. You can drink from any well, but this is the best one. Pay attention. Believe that you're going to be blessed by his word. Living the Christian life is not just mechanically listen to your leaders, do everything they say. It's listen to Jesus. Reckon that he is the best shepherd and there's no one like him. Let's not just be joylessly chasing our tails trying to match up for what passes for a Christian around these parts. Let's enjoy his word. Let's reckon that we're going to meet him there. This is what the Holy Spirit has inspired, hovering over the shoulder of human authors who jotted it down. And the Holy Spirit who helps people to write it is the Holy Spirit who's present with us right now to bring it to our attention and help us to feed on it and make illuminate it and help us. That's why we need to be part of a body together so we can go, sorry, what do you make out of Philippians 4? Be part of a community that is looking at God's words and enjoying it uh, together. So guiding, governing, guarding, being shepherds of the flock. What's our response to all this? Well, for all of us, I suppose to have right expectations, to understand really what it means to be part of a church. To, to have a, a good expectation of your, your leaders, your elders. We've been told to be shepherds. We are also sheep. In other words, 
nobody kind of changed species when they became an overseer or an, an elder. Uh, I, interestingly, this is one of those few occasions where I think I've actually preached on this passage before. It doesn't happen very much, but a few years ago, I uh, preached on 1 Timothy 3 at the point one summer where the church had one elder. Praise God, we've gone up a bit. <laughs> but also, let's look forward. Now, if church is just to be maintained and be as comfortable as possible, we can make do with three for another decade. But that's not the point. We're on a journey. We're looking to follow Jesus, and therefore, we're looking to follow his, his direction. This passage is encouraging guys to set their heart on it, or if they have set their heart on it, to say it's, it's, a, noble, it's a noble task. It's a worthwhile thing. It's a good thing. The world needs the church of Jesus Christ. Therefore, the world needs more churches and needs good, strong, grace-filled churches. Therefore, the world needs more elders. And they might, that might be the case. You're sat here and you're one day an elder of this church. But in a sense, that's not the be-all and end-all. It's maybe God's... There are other flocks. There are totally brand new flocks and the Lord will help us work out how you plant a new one. Plant a flock? I'm mixing it all up, sorry. <laughs> plant a church, lead a flock. Um, so let's, let's, let's pursue, pursue him. Maybe you have expressed at some point this desire. Maybe you've got this desire, but you've tucked it away in your heart. Or trust your shepherd to guide you to the right time, the right place, the right people, the right moment. And if you aspire to lead in this way, so pay attention to the way in which Paul has led us through this letter. First of all, gospel. Chapter 1, the glorious gospel. Paul says, You elder types, keep watch over yourselves and the flock. Keep watch over yourselves. Is there anything knocking you off course from the glorious gospel? Just adding something else in, getting distracted. Well, keep watch over yourself. Don't just wait for the next sermon to come by that maybe speaks right into your situation. No, you keep watch over yourself. And glory in this wonderful gospel. Chapter 2. Passionate perspective on the church getting excited about God's call, not for just the leaders. No, Paul didn't start there. He was, with, he was just talking about the church. Look what it is to be part of a church. A vibrant, praying, spirit-filled community, wanting to worship Jesus and introduce more and more people to him. Are you gripped by that? Get gripped by it. Then, see where the Lord leads. And if that heads into eldership, God help you. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> But it's, it's time to be excited about what God wants to do through the church on planet Earth. Whatever our part to play, we've got an amazing shepherd. Let's listen to him. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray. We'll worship in just a moment.